Amen. Hey, if you would, grab your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. And uh, while you turn there, I, I do want to say we're so excited for student camp. And I'm also excited that today, uh, those uh, graduating fifth graders going into sixth grader, uh, they've come across the hallway from kids ministry into this room for the first day. So can we welcome incoming sixth graders into the room today? So glad you're here. So sixth graders, grab your Bible, Matthew 13. We begin a, uh, our summer series today in the parables. And uh, as we begin, I, I want you to try to imagine something. And I know anytime you're somewhere and a preacher or speaker says, imagine something, it's hard to do. But I really want us to, to, to try to imagine that uh, we live during the time of Jesus. You've heard of this, this powerful teacher that is in the area. Uh, <clears throat> You live in the, the Galilee region and, and, and you hear that he's seaside and about to teach and, and you, you've heard that he teaches like no one else and, and the power of his teaching is substantiated in the fact uh, that he's done miracles and he's healed people and so uh, for the very first time you get to go hear this teacher with your own ears. This one you've heard so much about you get to go and actually hear and so uh, you join a crowd and the crowd's growing and Jesus has to go out on a boat uh, on the water. And, and, and let that kind of serve as, as his teaching platform. And, and you're there with anticipation. And then you hear, you hear Jesus say this. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then this, this teacher stood up and he stepped off that boat and he made his way through the crowd and, and he walked away. Now I want you to imagine you're, you're looking at the crowd there, right? And as Jesus kind of fades off in the distance, some of, some of them start to laugh and they're like, what just happened? And others are kind of frustrated. They're, 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 they're kind of murmuring to each other like, really? Like, what's the big deal about that guy? Others, as you look around, they're, they're like sitting there, like they're confused, they, you can tell they're thinking, and, and the look on their faces, they're processing and thinking what just happened. They're, it's almost like a look of painful confusion as they're trying to hang the story Jesus told on any sort of contextual hook that they can possibly hang, and they're like, what was that? And then, but, but there's some, as you look around the crowd, that are smiling. And they're smiling with, with like a peaceful, peaceful joy-filled smile. It's like they, they, they understand. And as you look at them, it's like they, they more than, it's like they understand more than just with their head. It's like their heart understands. And they're almost in this place of worship. Welcome to a scene of a parable of Jesus. If you've grown up in the church or you've grown up with familiarity to the Bible, we have a bit of an advantage as we begin a series on the parables. We understand that at times Jesus taught in these little stories. And because of that advantage, I think we can lose sight of how puzzling 
these parables would have been to the original crowds listening to these. I want you to imagine that you showed up at church today and whoever was teaching came up after singing, told a 90-second to three-minute story, said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. You are loved and you are sent. Y'all be like, this place is a little whack. What just happened? We, especially in the West and especially in our time, we are so used to principle-based teaching. You're here today and what you expect a teacher to do is to open up the Bible and to pull out principles from the Word of God. And for sure, Jesus taught principle-based teaching at a lot of times, but then there were these times where crowds would show up and, and he would tell one of these short stories. Now, we got to ask some questions as we begin a series on the parables. Why did, why did Jesus teach in parables? And that question is going to be answered for us today because it's a question the disciples are going to ask directly. But before we get to that question, let me, let me start with another question. What is a parable? Uh, Joel Beakey, he's a seminary uh, president up in Michigan, a Bible scholar. I appreciate a lot of his work, but he says this, a a parable is an extended simile or metaphor that explains aspects of spiritual truth in everyday terms. We can all agree, right, that Jesus was a master teacher. I mean, let me ask you like this. Think of what other, what other people, what other teachers are we talking about and studying this in depth over 2,000 years later? Like even non-Christians would say like, yeah, he was good. And one of the things that made Jesus such an effective teacher is that he had an ability to walk around town and walk around rural areas and go, hey, the kingdom of God, it's kind of like this mustard seed here. You, you drop it in the ground, it grows up to this. He had an ability to use the everyday things that people experienced and drive deep spiritual truths out of them. And this is what he does with the parables. You also might have heard parables talked about in kind of this short, pithy way, an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so Jesus will always, you know, share these parables of kind of everyday things, and then he always ends them with, he who has ears to hear, let, let him hear. Because these have heavenly meanings, meanings beyond just the everyday illustrations that Jesus is using. And so my prayer for us this summer is that God would give us ears to hear and eyes to see. And the blessing for us, right, is for those of us who have seen Christ as Lord and Savior, we can thus see what Jesus is teaching in the parables that he's given. If you haven't yet seen Christ as Lord and Savior, you can't see, you can't see the teaching that he has given. And so my prayer is that as we study the parables, for those of us who are believers, that we would see the deep truths of the kingdom that Jesus is communicating, and that uh, for those who are not believers, that even these parables would lead you to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so today, uh, I start intentionally in Matthew chapter 13, and here's why. In Matthew 13, Jesus gives this parable that I've already read for us, the parable of the sowers, where he describes these different soils that seed falls. But then uh, in Matthew 13, right after he, he, he publicly preaches that parable, he privately has a conversation with his disciples that help us understand why he taught in parables and what that parable of the sower 
means. And so today really is all about this. Kingdom people understand kingdom words. And that's a weird phrase, and I'll explain why I use that, kingdom words. Kingdom people understand kingdom words and bear multiplying lasting kingdom fruit. I think that's what we're getting at today in general as Jesus unpacks why he taught in parables. And I think that's specifically what the parable of the sower is about. And we're going to see that as Jesus explains this. Let me pray and let's let the word of God go to work. Father, we thank you for the privilege that we get. We thank you that you've given us your word. We thank you, we're thankful that we get to study it. We're thankful that you taught in parables. And Lord, uh, even though we can be just as confused at times when we read them as the people originally hearing them were, Lord, we're thankful that you love us so much that you've, you've explained a lot of them to us. And so, God, I pray just that closing line that you said in your parable, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear today? And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And so let me start kind of in part one of the sermon with this. Why parables? Why parables? And if you will, write this down. It's a little lengthy, but I think it's helpful. Why parables? Parables disclose or reveal, parables disclose kingdom ways to kingdom people while concealing these ways from those who are not. That's weird. Parables disclose kingdom ways to kingdom people while while yet at the same time concealing these kingdom ways from those who are not people of the kingdom. Now, let me, let me prove to you where I'm getting that. And so uh, Matthew 13 and verses 1 through 9, you have the setting of the parable of the sowers that Jesus taught seaside there at Galilee. In verse 10, a question is asked by the disciples that all of us would ask. Verse 10 says this, then the disciples came and said to him, why, why, why do you speak to them in parables? Is that a valid question? Is that a question you would ask? Is that a question you have asked as you've studied? I remember being in college. I got saved at 19, and um, I had grown up in church settings, so I had been exposed to the parables. But, but really, my college years was when I began to study the Word of God for myself. And I remember studying the Gospels and coming to these parables and just sitting in my dorm room like, huh? And asking Jesus, why, why did you speak in parables? And so such an important question that the disciples ask here. Verse 11, and he answered them. Praise the Lord. Everyone say, praise the Lord. He gives an answer for why parables. And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it has not been given. And so I just want us to acknowledge there, there's a you-them reality here. To you, it's been given to know the secret of the kingdom. To them, to them, it, it is not. Verse 12, for to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. Are you ready? Anyone ready? Okay. You're like, I'm looking for that. That's not in the Bible. I know. I'm asking. Are you ready? I was like, this is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, seeing they do not what? They do not see. And hearing they do not. Nor do they. Under, okay, and that word's a big deal in this parable. 
that, that word's a big deal in the use of the parables as a whole. We're going to see this word of this idea of understanding coming up again and again. And so th- this is why I speak to them in parables, because <clears throat> seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. So uh, again, we, we got to remember the two settings that these things are happening. The, the parable was spoken in a public setting. The crowds are out there. Jesus is on this, sitting on this boat, seaside, Sea of Galilee. Now we're in a private conversation. Jesus with his disciples. And he's going, to you it's been given the secrets of the kingdom. To them it's not. To the crowds it is not. The, the, the crowds, though they, they see, they don't see. Though they, 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 hear, they don't hear and they don't understand. Verse 14, indeed in their case, and then Jesus reaches for a prophecy from the book of Isaiah. Indeed in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's, for this people's what? Okay, now we're on to something. Now we're on to something about the purpose of the parables. For this people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears, they can barely hear. And their eyes, they have what? They have closed. This people's heart has grown dull. The crowd's heart has grown dull. Their ears are stopped up from hearing who, who the king is and hearing the ways of the kingdom. Their eyes are closed from, from, from looking for who the true king is and, and looking for the things of the kingdom. And then Jesus says, lest they should see with their eyes And hear with their ears and understand with their what? Understand with their head? Understand with their heart. And turn and I would heal them. I believe Jesus quoting of Isaiah, he's getting to the heart of why parables. Because parables have a way of getting to the hearts of the people. Parables have a way of exposing the heart soil of everyone who's hearing it. And let me encourage us to never forget something. Jesus is always after the heart. Could Jesus not have, e- have as easily stood there, sat there on that boat with those crowds in front of him and said, today I will give you five ways to know you are a kingdom citizen. Today, Three how-tos to be a good kingdom citizen. Could he have done that and been like every blogger of our day? Instead, he says, so, it's like a sower. And in doing that, he's disclosing the kingdom realities to the hearts that are open and drawn to him. And yet those same kingdom realities are concealed from the hearts that have been hardened, that are dull, with eyes that don't see, with ears that cannot hear. The parables get at the heart. 
And then he says in verse 16, but blessed are your eyes. Remember, who's he talking to? Blessed are your eyes, disciples, for they see. And your ears, for they what? Now that's super interesting because in a moment, Jesus is going to actually explain to them what that parable of the sowers meant. And there's many more times throughout the Gospels where Jesus gives a parable and the disciples are like, do you, do you get that? It's in their relationship to Jesus that often the parables are unpacked and explained to them. And I say the same thing to us, regenerate in the room, who've trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's in the relationship with Jesus that too for us, the, the parables will be unpacked and explained to us. Us now with the Spirit of God dwelling inside of us. How many times, right, during the, when I study the parables, I have to sit and say, like, Spirit, more light. Show me. Teach me. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And so why parables? The parables have a way of getting to the heart in a way that discloses the aspects of the kingdom to the kingdom citizens, while at the same time concealing those same things from people whose hearts are hard. But now we get to this specific parable. So I think this explanation of why parables and this specific parable are accomplishing the big purpose here. So what does this parable mean? This parable of the sower. It means this. Kingdom people understand kingdom words and bear multiplying, lasting kingdom fruit. So let's put that on the screen there. What does this parable mean? Kingdom people understand kingdom words. Again, kind of a weird phrase. We talk a lot about the word of God. We, I, I want you to see that kingdom word phrase in here. Kingdom people understand kingdom words and bear multiplying kingdom, multiplying, lasting kingdom fruit. So verse 18, Jesus begins to explain the parable of the sowers. He says, hear then the parable of the sower. Now, let me just stop there. And we got to remember, parables are these everyday things that Jesus is using to explain deep spiritual truths. So, we probably aren't going to get in our cars in 2022, leaving central Indiana here. And, and as we drive home, see someone out in their field or in their garden, you know, seeds in hand, just, just throwing seeds on the ground. Instead, in our day, we see big green machines, John Deere's, or maybe you're a red family, Case IH, right? International Harvester. And they're pulling more big machines that are, you know, perfectly in amazing ways planting all these. But in Jesus' day, right, a sower would go out and sow seed. And you would sow seed generously and lavishly. And that seed would all hit the ground in different types of soils. And so uh, here then the parable of the sower. Verse 19. When anyone hears the, the what, the word, the what? The word of the kingdom. I love that. Man, that caught my attention this week. Do you know the word of God is the word of the kingdom of God? That was profound to me this week. That the word of God is the word of his kingdom. 
that the gospel of God, gospel means good news. The good news is that um, us who've rebelled against this God with sin can be saved through the substitutionary work of Jesus Christ on the cross the moment we put our faith in him. This good news is good news of his kingdom. The moment we believe, we are now part of the kingdom of God. That means that we're not living for any kingdoms here. That frees us from being compelled to live for any kingdoms here. And so when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And so Jesus is now unpacking these four soils he brings up in this parable. And the first one he's unpacking is the, the, this, this soil of the path. Now, if you, um, if you can think or describe, how, what are words you would use to describe a path on the ground? What are words you would use? Hard. A path, right? And, and, you know, I was, you know, remembering even some, some places growing up where we walked the same path. And so there's lush green grass all around you, but this hard beaten down path right through the middle of a field. A path is hard. And when Jesus told the parable seaside, he said, a, a so or so seed and um, some hits the path and birds come and, and devour it right away. The, the seed on the path, nothing sinks in. As Jesus is explaining the parable, he says the seed along the path are people who do not understand the word of the kingdom. And who comes and snatches away that word so they can't understand it? The evil one. And if I can just remind us today, anytime we are ministering the word of God, and I want to encourage, I want to kind of take some of the, when I say ministering, I mean what's happening here. I mean also what's happening in your living room as you're sharing the word of God with your own kids. I also mean what's happening across coffee tables as you're meeting with friends. I also mean what's happening with people you love who you're sharing the gospel with. We can't lose sight of something. Anytime the word of God is being ministered, there is a war over that word. There is an evil one coming to snatch that from, from taking any root in the heart of someone else. And if there is a war over that word in that way, do you know what one of the most important things we can do for the ministry of the word? Would we pray? Would you pray for the ministry of the word of this church? And before you go and meet with someone and, and you're studying God's word together, pray. And as you're sharing the gospel with someone who has not had their eyes unveiled to see the good news of that message, would you pray? Because if there is an evil one sneak, seeking to snatch that word from any understanding, we have to be encouraged to know that the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. And also that there is power and prayer. And so between a ministry of prayer and the ministry of the word of God, God is powerful enough to penetrate the hardest soil of hearts but the word that falls on the path takes no root it doesn't sink in it's snatched away by the evil one this is this is the seed sown along the path verse 20 
As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with with joy. Praise the Lord, right? This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And, and, and these are the, the, the times you're looking and you're like, oh my goodness. Look. Look at the exuberance. Look at the joy. And yet, Jesus warns of something. Verse 21, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So there is a rocky soil reality when the word of God goes out. There's a rocky soil reality when the gospel goes out. And the rocky soil reality is that people can receive it with great joy. And often, these are what you would describe as as emotional decisions. Like, I'm pretty convinced, and right, this isn't, I'm off script now, so this is usually when I get in trouble, okay? I'm off script, so save the emails, okay? Like, just, I'm really convinced that, like, if you bring up a cool enough band and create a cool enough environment, and get a charismatic enough speaker, you can get a lot of people down front places for an altar call. That's not, you're like, I love altar calls. I do too. A lot of people genuinely saved by them. But I am also calling out the danger of this emotional whipping up where people are like, they don't really embrace Jesus as Lord. They embrace an experience of a moment. That always gets played out then in the fact that those who who have embraced an experience and not true salvation of Jesus, they won't endure when tribulation, hardship, and persecution comes. While it was all fun at the event, they're in. But as soon as it gets hard in life, they're out. A friend of mine didn't grow up in a Christian home um, it, it was awesome. It was 19, we were like 19 years old. We were talking on the phone. He's saying things he never said before. He's talking about the Lord. He's talking about this church he's going to. He's talking about the Word of God. Like He's reading it, and I'm like, oh my goodness. What happened to you? And like when I went back home in Michigan, we went to church together. We're studying the Word together. In about a 45-day stretch, this was the norm of his life. But then as soon as trouble, tribulations, and hardships arose, as fast as he appeared to be in, he was out. This is the reality of the rocky soil. Rocky soil is built on an emotion of a moment, not the enduring true salvation of knowing Jesus as Lord. He goes on to describe another soil type. Verse 22, As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves, and it proves what? 
It proves unfruitful. That's really important because in the next soil, we're going to get the opposite of that. Uh, those where the, the seed is sown, those where the word of God is sown, and it lands on thorny soil, the thorns begin to grow. And this is what I think is one of the most dangerous and one of the most deceptive of the soils that Jesus brings up here. Because often, like with the rocky soil, it can happen, like it, it, it can be pretty quick. The thorny soil warns us that we can have an appearance over a long time as if we're a citizen of the kingdom. But if what eventually wins out and chokes out any heart of the kingdom we, is, is the thorns, is the care of this world, is the deceitfulness of riches, if that ends up in the long run choking out any sort of kingdom fruit, we were never really people of the kingdom in the first place. And this is the one that like I'm most burdened for for us. These are the ones where often you can see people who, man, just appeared faithful for years or even decades, and then you look at the, at the end, you're like, what happened? And the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches just choked, just choked out the seed. But there's good soil. Let's try that again, and when I say, but there's good soil, you all say, praise the Lord. Okay, oh, oh no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, I'm going to say, but there's good soil, and you're going to be like, praise the Lord, okay? Ready? Some of you here knew you're like, this is so corny. I know, I am, right? And if you come back, I'll be corny again next week, okay? But there's good soil. Praise the Lord. Man, praise the Lord. And for those of us who know Jesus, who've been regenerate, saved, have the spirit of God dwelling inside of us I like my only application for us today is we just walk out of here going God thank you for breaking through hard rocky thorny heart thank you what else can we say like we you know we aren't the ones who are like doing the work to till like God good soil over here throw some seed over here like, no he all it's all of him it's all of him but there's good soil. As for what was sown on good soil, I'm in verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, now look at what's described now. This is the one who, say it out loud, this is the one who hears, right? But, but the rest have, you know, heard in some ways. This is the one who hears the word and hears that, here's that really important word of this parable. Here's the one who hears and understands it. Your heart gets it. He indeed bears fruit. So if, if the, the, the seed sown, sown in uh, thorny soil is choked out where it can't bear fruit, it is unfruitful. The seed sown in good soil, a heart that is of a kingdom person, they hear the word, they understand the word, and the understanding of that word leads to fruit bearing. You bear fruit for the kingdom. And if you're newer to the Christian walk and, and you're like, what is all this fruit they're talking about? The, the, this idea of bearing fruit is a picture throughout the Bible that describes a lifestyle in word and deed of living in a way that brings God glory and advances his kingdom. 
So bearing fruit in the Bible is this beautiful picture, and you have to love the Bible because it doesn't just leave like, and now go, do, go live in a way that brings God glory. It gives us a picture to latch on to. Bear fruit. Live in a way, in word and deed, that gives God glory and advances his kingdom. Bear fruit. The one who hears and understands, he indeed bears fruit. And let's look at this yield. Let's talk about yield. And yields, in one case, a hundredfold. Is that good? In another, 60. Is that good? In another, 30. Is that good? Think about the yield of that. So where the seed or the word of the kingdom is sown, those people who are of the kingdom, they hear that word, they understand that word, their eyes see the truth. They live in light of that truth in such a way that their fruit bears, uh, that their life bears fruit. And that fruit endures. It doesn't just, 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 just come up for a season and then as quick as it came, it's gone. And that fruit is not choked out. That fruit endures. And that fruit multiplies hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. This describes the life of a person of the kingdom. And this is so important for us. Because this teaches us that one who is truly of the kingdom hears the words of the kingdom, understands the words of the kingdom, and bears enduring Lasting, multiplying fruit for the kingdom. And why I think for our day, now if I can like take this parable and apply it to our day, why I think this is so important for our day is because it helps us understand what is the evidence that I am a kingdom citizen? To ask it differently, how do you know you're saved? How do you know you're saved? So often, people point to a past profession for the evidence of their salvation rather than present and ongoing fruit bearing in their life. And don't let, don't let that confuse you. We're all about believing that justification happens in a moment, that we cross over from death to life in a moment, that we are saved the moment we believe. Everyone say amen. But the evidence of our salvation, that that moment in your life was actually when you got saved, is in the fruit that your life is bearing over time. And this is where everyone freaks out and where I had a million conversations after first service where people are like, oh no, there's some bad fruit in my life. I understand. Guess what? Don't tell anyone, but there's some bad fruit in my life. Don't tell anyone, okay? We say around here all the time that this journey of sanctification, of kingdom fruit bearing, doesn't mean perfectly, but it does mean patternly. We made our own word up here. You can make up words too. It does mean patternly. It does mean the fruit of your life foundationally, fundamentally is different 
that yes, sin still at times rears its ugly head. Yes, there's, there's outbursts of the flesh that you're like, whoa, that was ugly and where did that come from? Oh, that came from my heart. God, do a work on that. But the patternly nature of your life is that overwhelmingly and in a growing way, you are bearing fruit to the glory of God and to the advance of his kingdom. This is how we know that we are in Christ. And this is how we know that we have hearts of good soil. And so can I ask a hard question? You're like, you always do. Which of these soils describes you? You know, some of us in here, you might resonate with this whole description of the path. You're like, man, I've come to church services like this. People in my family have talked to me about Jesus over and over again. And it's just kind of like, don't, 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 like nothing. My prayer for you today is that the Lord will have taken a rototiller to your heart. And turned up some ground and softened it up in such a way that today for the first time you will hear that a creator who made you loves you. And that as he looked down on all the sin you've committed in your life, he doesn't pull away from that. He actually drew near to that by sending his son to die on the cross for those sins. And today you can believe and trust in that savior and experience salvation in his presence forever. If today maybe you resonate with the fact that like, yeah, rocky soil, like, boom, the emotion of a moment and three weeks of like a spiritual high. But if I look at the fruit of my life, it's not, it's not just that like I'm slowly growing. It's that no, there's no fundamental change in my life from before that emotional moment. Would today you bow the knee to Jesus truly as Lord? We're not going to play just as I am 500 times. I'm not going to try to whip you up in an emotional frenzy. I'm just going to tell you before you leave here today with the Spirit of God, would you allow the Spirit of God to convict your heart to a place where you surrender your life to Him? Does anyone resonate with that thorny soil? Where it's like, man, if I'm honest, the cares of this world and riches, are they, that is the kingdom I'm living for. Like when I look at my life and I look at kingdom fruit, man, it's more about the kingdom of the cares of this world and riches than it is about this, this kingdom of God. Would today you repent? And bow your knee to Jesus as King of kings and Lord of lords. And would you today walk out of here living for a whole different kingdom that's a way better kingdom because it's, it, it yields eternal rewards. And then if you've been saved, the Spirit of God dwells in you. The Lord, by his goodness, has tilled good soil in you. Not perfectly. Not without missteps along the way. But over and over and more and more, and the longer you walk with Jesus, you see more of his work in your heart bearing fruit to his glory. Can I just give you something to do walking out of here? Can you just praise him? Can we just say, thank you, Lord? Like, can we walk out of here with grateful hearts and just say, Lord, thank you. You, you did that. You did that. You took a hard, rocky, thorny heart of a person and you have cultivated 
work that brings you glory and advances your kingdom. Praise the Lord. But kingdom people understand kingdom words and bear multiplying, lasting kingdom fruit. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Amen? Will you stand with me? Father, we do want to hear, not just today, but all summer, We want to hear what you have to teach us about yourself. We want to hear what you have to teach us about your kingdom. We want to understand increasingly what it means for us to live as kingdom citizens. Lord, we want to know what it looks like to live lives that bear fruit to your glory and advance your kingdom. And so, God, I pray with this parable, the story you told that we've looked at today. Lord, I know your word is powerful. Your spirit works mightily through your word as it settles into our heart. Lord, would you just work? Would you give us ears to hear today? We pray this in Jesus' name.